great Odin's raven. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. With, I'll go. Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode 20. My name is Adam. Today I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing well. Doing well. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to be covering a monthly segment we like to call Best and Worst, where we pick one film we give 10 out of 10, and one film we give a 1 out of 10. We're also going to be going to go over some of this week's news, including a little segment we call Not the Bees, where we highlight some of the worst movie news of the week. And finally, we'll be making our predictions for this week's opening films. Uh, But before we get into what we've been watching, I just want to make a quick announcement. We are going to be continuing to do uh, Ryan Watches a Movie, but we're going to be moving it to Wednesdays, and it's going to be a standalone episode. Ooh. So from now on, every Wednesday, we're going to have a new Ryan Watches a Movie episode, and if you subscribe to us on iTunes, you'll get that as well. So it's going to be available on iTunes and Stitcher and all that stuff. So. Oh, wait, hopefully he doesn't get too big of a head. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's already big to begin with. Yeah. Literally, 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 literally big. Yes. Hopefully it doesn't get bigger. You'll still be able to hear all of Ryan's film wisdom. Which which I do have to, I forgot to tell you this. Um, I think he's already starting to get it. And uh, I'm worried that this is going to make it worse because we went to see Prometheus. We go in, we get our seat. And the first thing out of his mouth is these other people don't understand that they're witnessing greatness right now. (laughs) oh man oh i love it i love it let's talk about what we've been watching why don't you start us off oh i finally watched adventureland because i think we've talked about it a couple times yeah we talked about it a few times what did you think uh it was a lot sadder than i thought it was going to be (laughs) yeah it was it's a dark comedy (laughs) yeah I didn't. I didn't think it was going to be that way. It's, it's sort of a curveball there, but I really uh, liked it. I I did enjoy it. Like I think the last time we talked about it was because we were talking about Kristen Stewart, the, the yeah. Snow White movie, and I thought she did really well in yeah, Adventureland. That's, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like I thought that she was fine, but I think it was the type of character that she was playing in that movie. Plus, she wasn't the main character, so she didn't have to carry the movie. No. That's true, but I, th- I still I think, think it, she gave a very fine performance. Yeah, I agree, but I, I think that it's mainly due to the the character that she was playing. I think that that character suited her, and I don't think I don't think that she's a terrible actress. I think that she just gets miscast. Mm. I think that that's the issue with her. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that uh, some studios just want to capitalize on the, the the whole Twilight thing. And think that, you know, if they bring her into a movie, even though she's miscast for her role, they think if they just bring her in, it's automatic money. I think that she's another one of these people where the studios are kind of molding them into the next star. And I think Taylor Kitsch is another example of that where, I mean, this is just some kid that's on a TV show. He's not like some huge movie star. He's not a household name. And yet he's getting cast in these like you know headlining roles yeah and i think that he's another example of how there's certain up-and-coming actors that hollywood seems to be trying to craft into the next you know big george clooney tom cruise brad pitt type 
person. Yeah. So you need to stop doing that. Yes. Because it usually I, I doesn't work I, out. I highly recommend Adventureland. I think it's very good. Yeah. Uh, Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig are perfect in that movie. Uh, I, I wanted more of them. Yes, I did too. I, I wanted a lot more Bill Hader. I've all, yeah, I always fun. want more Bill Hader because <laughs> yeah. he's hilarious. But I also really enjoy uh, Martin Starr. He played Is Joel the one with, that smoked the pipe. Yeah, the glasses. Yeah. He was in Party Down and Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, knocked up super bad. He's, he's going to be in the uh, that new movie, The End of the World, the Seth Rogen movie. So I'm pretty mm, excited mm, about that. Yeah, that looks good. I th- I, th- I thoroughly enjoy Martin Starr. Keep as up the I. good work. Keep up the good as work, Martin Starr. I want to see more of him. I I hope that mm-hmm. we'll see more of him. To me, he's like most of the characters that he plays. Because I'm to be honest, he sort of plays the same character all the time. Yeah, which I like the character, so I have no qualms about it. But to me, he's like the female, or yeah, the female. The male version of uh, Audrey Plaza's character on Parks and Rec. Yeah, sort of dry and cynical. Mm-hmm. Which I like that character. Enjoy. Have you ever seen Party Down? Did you ever watch that? Uh, I have to give it another shot. I watched like the first two episodes and I didn't really get into it. I was probably like really hooked into another show at that time. You would like it. It's really good. Very underrated. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go back. And I think that they're developing, they were developing a movie. Yes, they were. That's still going to happen or not. Hopefully. Hopefully it does. What else you got down the pipe? Oh, I got a movie that I'm not allowed to talk about. Yes. As per your wishes. Yes. Kevin saw Moonrise Kingdom this weekend, and I didn't. In your your face. He's not allowed to say, I mean, I don't want anything. Not I'm, not one I'm, word nope. about it. We're I'm, gonna dedicate. I'm doing everything. No, to I'm it. doing everything right now. <laughs> Moonrise. <laughs> Here's no, the end. <laughs> I just want to say that uh, we don't normally talk about you know or bump places or talk about how awesome places are, but the Charles Theater, in Baltimore, awesome. That's where yes. I went to see Moonrise Kingdom, and sort of like a. Uh, Blast from the past when we went down to see uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. I'll never forget that. Yeah, it has a special place. I always like to go see my Wes Anderson movies at the Charles, and I like to go see all my Woody Allen movies at the Charles. Well, you got a Woody Allen movie coming out next week. Yes, I do, and it's coming to go. the Charles. So I'm go. making another trip down. So if you live around that area, check out the Charles if you're into film. Yeah, it's, it's, a, great it's place. a great theater. Great theater. I just I want to say one thing. Jared Gilman, the main character in this film, mm-hmm, the kid that plays that plays Sam, he's a he's he's great. He's fantastic, and I just want to give you this little quote because we how we talked about in the last podcast how we're going to be saying the word charming and or quirky all the time. Yes, I was going to ask you that if it was quirky. <laughs> uh, my wife described. Uh, Jared Gilman's performance as he was charming as fuck. There, that's there we go. the exact quote that she used. So. Well, we are going to come back to that once once it comes to Florida. It's not even playing in Florida, so I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> we usually get stuff, 
but I don't know. Yeah, we, I don't know. I mean, once in a blue moon, the Charles gets things beforehand. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but must see. That's all I can say. Hmm. We'll come back to it. What else you got? I did watch Take This Waltz. Oh, and? Eh. Just eh. An eh. It was an eh. I mean, I think I maybe got, I don't know if I got more from it than maybe you did since I am married. But I don't know. It's like, who did you side with in this movie? Seth Rogen. Okay. That's me too. Uh, well, I felt like in the movie, it was like, I didn't see any real reason for her to be wanting to cheat on him or leave him. Like, not, not, like they showed them arguing and stuff a few times, but to me, it was like, that's not enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it didn't really... Which I, I don't, maybe that's what they were going for. They showed that she just wanted something else. She just wasn't happy with what she got. But, well, yeah. I mean, it seems think, like a lot of people are like that nowadays. And I think towards the end, I don't think it's a big spoiler to say that she gets together with the guy, is it? No. No. Well, I think what they were kind of going for was in the end when she was with him, it turned into sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I'm just watching TV yeah. and... Which is, it, I mean, if you think about it, that's how it's always going to be. Right. And I think that's kind of a statement on just relationships in general and when you're in a long-term relationship yeah. or living with somebody. The the only thing that, I mean, I thought the performances were very good, but the only, yeah, agree. The, the whole tying in the Leonard Cohen Take This Waltz song, like near the end. Yeah, <laughs> I, it just it felt forced. Like, oh, uh, yeah. we used that for the title, so we have to weave that in somehow. It's, I just thought that it was too long. Like, I thought it was dragging. Yeah, and, and I thought that the the subplot with Sarah Silverman was yes unnecessary, mm-hmm. especially with the the way it like sort of crescendoed at the end. That seemed really forced as well. It was you like, did that really need to it, be there? It's it sort of seemed like. Everything else was pretty good and tight, but it just the end with the Sarah Silverman, the, I, don't, I don't know. It just seemed sloppy. It almost felt like they were going with a Wes Anderson vibe. Like, you know, what, with Wes Anderson movies, he always throws you a curveball at the end. He always throws something in there that, to completely shock your system. And I feel like they, maybe that's what they were trying to go for. Like, just put in something kind of crazy or really dramatic there at the end. Mm-hmm. But I just, I wasn't feeling it. Is that all you got for this week? I did watch the first part of World on a Wire, the German sci-fi movie that I was telling you about. That's like oh, that's three, and right. half, yeah. three and a half hours long. I've taken to, during the week, I can't really watch an entire movie on a weekday because of all my chores and everything, getting ready for work. So I started doing where I'll start a movie, and then at a certain spot, I'll stop it and finish it the next day. And I've actually found out that this is a really fun way to watch movies. Hmm. Okay. Because it sort of lets me know how much I'm into this movie. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I stop it, and then the next day at work, I like the really good movies that I'm watching, I'll find out that I'm like thinking about it all day at work. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, what's going to happen? I'm trying to figure out, you know, symbolism and stuff like that. And then, you know, to go home the next day 
and to actually watch it and see if I'm correct, it's 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 sort of fun. But the only problem is when you're watching a movie that you're not really into, that you don't really notice until you sort of step away halfway through, you know, the next day at work, you're like, oh, I really don't want to finish that movie. I just don't feel like it. <laughs> it's yeah. the only downside. Yeah, that's probably the big downside is that yeah. on movies that you're not really feeling, you might just abandon. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe like in the film's third and fourth act, it'll really pick up. Maybe. I mean, sometimes you're pleasantly surprised. Other times you're not. And you're just like, yeah, I should have not finished this at all. I wasted another day. <laughs> well, I had a big, big movie week this week. And I did have some pleasant surprises. And I had some ones that I wasn't really feeling. Uh, first, I watched alien and aliens just to kind of i haven't seen them for a couple years and i love those movies and prometheus made me want to go back and watch them and find all the you know easter eggs that they throw into prometheus oh, so and i want to back and i i want to say that those. we didn't we need to do another one we need to talk another about one. Oh, another prometheus yeah we need to talk about prometheus again do another spoiler section well maybe because i mean people should have seen it by now and if you haven't well we're going to spoil the movie for you so don't listen. But you want to do that I, now? I, no, no. You I'm just saying. Yeah, I have a lot more to say about Prometheus. Negative or positive? Yeah, uh, negative. Negative. I watched the first two Aliens on Blu-ray, and I gotta say, they are both, in their own way, masterpieces. They are so good. I think that you should go try to find the uh, the first two on Blu-ray and watch them. Well, that's what now that's do, what I want to do. I do want to watch do, those two, and then do another show about that. Maybe get Ryan in on it. They do have the director's cut of Aliens. That's the one I saw. The director's cut. I don't really recommend that one. I recommend the theatrical cut. the The director's cut of Aliens is pushing three hours. They add mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, but I still recommend the theatrical cut of that one. So. I definitely recommend them on Blu-ray because they remastered them and they look fantastic. It it blew my mind when I was watching them that one was made in 79 and one was made in 86 and they look better than movies that we see now that are big blockbuster movies. I mean, mm, wow. the the practical effects in those movies is just phenomenal. And it's funny when you go back and you watch the Alien movies as an adult because you pick up on so many different things that you just didn't, as a younger person, you just don't really pick up on. You know, when you, watch, when you watch those movies as a kid, you just see what's on the surface. You just enjoy them for being a horror movie or an action movie. And, you know, that it is what it is. But when you go back and watch them as an adult and really analyze what you're seeing in the content, it, you get so much more from it. So if you, if you haven't seen the alien movies in years, I would highly recommend going back, checking them out on Blu-ray. They're awesome on Blu-ray. So, uh, and then I saw keyhole. (laughs) Uh, yes. This is waiting. the Been new movie from Canadian director Guy Madden. Gee. Gee. Canadians, 
Canadians pronounce guy as gee. Like G E E. Gee Madden, whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was not into this movie at all. I hated it. I hated every <laughs> second of it. It has Udo Kyer in it. It does have Udo Kyer in it. He's not in it very much. Uh. But, okay, so basically it's about this gangster named Ulysses who is goes into his house he holds up with a bunch of his gangster buddies and he searches the house for something it's a loose adaptation of the odyssey yeah and when i say loose i mean as loose as you can possibly be <laughs> essentially the the only thing is ulysses yeah the name okay <laughs> i mean you can tell you can tell throughout the the movie that like it's part of the odyssey but it is just the most random art house garbage that you could ever see it's it's shot in black and white but it doesn't look good now i i know that i've been reading about this a little bit and a lot of people on message boards are saying it looks great i completely disagree i think it looks terrible i think it looks like a student film that sh- it's shot on really crappy digital it, the the color like the black and white color doesn't and they do they do intersperse some color in here and there but Overall, looks bad. There's ridiculous random things that they throw in there just for shock value or weirdness sake. It's like a David Lynch film without the intrigue, I guess. Mm. Definitely do not recommend it. I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) But I do want you to see it at the same time. because I I do want to see it because I I saw... um, Brand Upon the Brain. It's a movie that he did from 2006, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Because, I mean, it's pretty... It's no surprise to say that this guy's... He's an experimental filmmaker. He doesn't make normal movies. Right. Which I would imagine... I mean, I haven't seen that many, but I would imagine, you know, some are, some are pretty good. Some probably do not work at all. But I have to give the guy respect that, you know, he tries to do different things. You know, he's actually trying new things or maybe going back to old things. You know, I just I don't think that he is, though. Like, like, I just I've seen it before. If you watch Eraserhead, you've seen it like. Well, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, I'm just this movie. Yeah, this movie specifically, I'm just not buying. I'm not buying it. I love David Lynch movies. I love weird abstract cinema but this i was not buying period but i do want you to see it because it might be one of those things where you're like oh dude how can you not like this there's like I, a fake penis that goes through a hole in a wall and isabella rossellini's in it and she's weird and there's like an old naked man that's chained up in the house <laughs> a lot of old man penis in it so. <laughs> now, i'm not saying that's why i think you would like it <laughs> But I don't know. Oh my! I to do. Me it seems like you wouldn't be buying it either. But I, don't I, know. I, I mean, from when we were talking about it, when you first saw it, and you were telling me, it sounds like I wouldn't be into it. No, I, I don't. I don't think you would be. You might enjoy it just because it's so weird. Like I, that might. I mean, I'm sure there's probably things that I can gain from it that I would appreciate or respect, but I don't know if I would like it on a whole, but I think that it's definitely a movie that Ryan needs to watch. 
Yeah, we'll probably make him watch at some point. Yes. Uh, moving on, I saw three. I saw three documentaries. I saw Indie Game the movie, which I loved, and oh, I highly I recommend that. that. This is uh, the movie that that goes over the. It follows the creators of Braid, Super Meat Boy, and um, Fez, and it it kind of just talks talks to them, follows them around, follows their lives as they're preparing these games to be published. And it is so interesting and com- it's a compelling movie. It's a compassionate movie. Like you really feel for these guys. And I feel like even somebody that's not a big gamer, you know, like I know that you're not a huge gamer anymore, but I feel like you would definitely enjoy a movie like this. No, I definitely want to see this because these, these kinds of uh, game developers and stuff, this is what I want to see more of. Right. I mean, I'm not really a gamer because I've gotten so sick and tired of all the first person shooters and they just, they make like the same movie. They're, well, I mean, it does Sarah share a striking similarity to the, uh, the film industry where they make the same games over and over and over and just right. sick and tired of it. I want something new, something creative. It, it's, it's a really great movie. I mean, it was the way it was put together you would think that watching a movie about game makers would not be the most exciting movie, but the way that they threw it together, it's really high quality. It's very, very interesting to see how, what, what this does, you know, cause these are big games. And that was the other thing that I thought was so interesting about the movie is they picked out of probably thousands of people that would be candidates for this film. They picked the three people that made huge games. I mean, these, when this movie was made, it was before these games came out. Yeah. It was, I think braid was actually out, but the other two super meat boy and Fez were not out. And both of those games, all three of those games, in fact, were huge successes. I mean, these guys, some of these guys became overnight millionaires because of their games and i will say i played all three of the games in the past before watching this movie and they're phenomenal phenomenal games so i highly recommend that even if you're not a gamer you can appreciate it it it, there's a few you know moments throughout that kind of tug on your heartstrings a little bit maybe maybe a little choke you up a little bit but it's very good uh, the other doc I saw was Exporting Raymond about the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond and his quest to adapt a version over in Russia. I'm not a big fan of Everybody Loves Raymond, but the movie's really funny. It wasn't fantastic. <laughs> I just My question is, because I've been wanting to see this movie and I haven't seen it yet, but just judging from the trailer, they have a lot of problems with uh, the translation and everything else it's just why don't they just make their own tv show what well because why do they have to take this well because those are like some of the biggest like selling shows over there are adaptations like i think Mm, the nanny they talk about the nanny a lot The, the nanny's huge in russia yeah they adapted it wow to russia and it was a huge success wow and because everybody that loves show Raymond was, was awful. 
Well, yeah, but it's not apparently not in Russia. But see, that's the thing, though, because the the struggle throughout this movie was that he was trying to adapt a move a, a show that you would think could be easily adapted. It's it's a comedy about families and simple everyday things that happen. Yeah, just your families family getting life. on your nerves. Yeah. Nothing, there's no crazy, grandiose concepts here. It's simple, but the cultural differences between here and there is so big. Well, that's, that's what I'm wondering. Like with Nanny, like when they adapted the Nanny, did they change that or were they able to just Um, completely do it? Well, they only showed a few clips of the Nanny in the documentary, but it looked like it was changed a little bit. It looked, it seems like over in Russia, the type of shows that they like and they find funny are like what we would think of like Telemundo shows where it's just completely off the wall, goofball, people falling and Mm. acting stupid, you know, not just real basic comedy. Yeah. And with everybody loves Raymond, it's more contextual. It's like, you know, what they say to each other and how they react to one another and that type of thing, rather than pratfalls and people wearing silly costumes and making silly silly costumes and pratfalls. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but it it was pretty good. I also saw Hit So Hard, which is about the drummer of Hole. Not much to say about that. Why does the drummer of Hole have a documentary? Well, because... Why? She was kind of more out of control than even Courtney Love was. And also because when she joined Hole, she was recording everything. So she has like hours and hours and hours of tapes. Mm Mm-hmm. So they kind of took all those tapes and put them together and made a documentary about (laughs) it. So it's it's more of a convenience thing. Half the work, half the work's already done. It's not. It's not really about whole. It's about her. It's Mm. about her being a female drummer, and you know she's one of only a few female drummers. That's true. There wasn't that many female drummers back then, and like there are now. Yeah, and she had. Obviously, as most rock stars do, she had problems with alcohol and drug abuse. And whoa, are you serious? Yeah, big surprise. And spoiler, it, it was alert. decent. I was never a big fan of Hole, but it was an entertaining film. It was informative. I enjoyed it. And I saw Sound of Noise. Yeah, you bastard. I want to see that. This yeah, is yeah, the like- Swedish sort of crime comedy about a group of rogue musicians who sort of do these flash mob performances in places that they shouldn't, like hospitals and banks. I enjoyed it quite a bit. How's the, how's the actual music? I liked it. I liked really? the music a lot. I mean, it's mostly because when they do these performances, it's six drummers. So there's okay. a lot of percussion. But, I mean, it, I thought it was really cool. And the way that... And that's really where this movie... Is why it's so good is because of these little interludes that they do in these different places. That's what makes it. It's almost like a music video mm. when they show them making the interesting sounds with the objects around them and stuff. It's really cool. 
yeah, I want to see this movie big time. There is this sort of almost supernatural element to it that I wasn't, I understood what it was, but I wasn't really on board with it. Mm. And I don't think it's a spoiler to just blurt it out, but the guy that the, the police detective that's going after the group, he's tone deaf. He can't hear music. Right. Yeah. So Plus his what happens is the group, the group is using objects that they have in the room. For instance, in the hospital, they use a bedpan. Okay. So when the detective comes to investigate, he can't hear anything that they used as an instrument. So in the case of the bedpan, if he banged on it, dropped it on the floor, he couldn't hear it. He could no longer hear it. Mm. So like anything that they used as an instrument, he could no longer hear any sounds that that object produced. Okay. And I wasn't really on board with that. But couldn't he just hit it and like his partner and be like, oh, okay, well, I he can didn't hear have it. a partner, but he was like kind of freaking out because they used people as instruments mm. too. Like in that hospital scene, they used a, a fat guy's gut as bongos. <laughs> and from that point on, whenever that guy talked, he couldn't hear that guy talk. Mm. Okay. Now I, I really wasn't, like I said, I understood why <clears throat> I they did it, saying. but I didn't feel it was necessary. There was also a love story that they added in at the end, which I felt was unnecessary, but it's always a love story. Why is there yeah. always a love story? Yeah. So that's it. I saw a couple other movies that I don't that were pretty good. Uh, Juan of the Dead as a takes place in Cuba and it's a zombie movie. That's worth a watch. It's funny and a bag of hammers. That's also pretty good. Not great. I'd give it like maybe a six out of ten. That's a comedy with Jason Ritter, John Ritter's son, and. Might be worth a watch, too. Rental, I would say. So let's move on and do some Not the Bees. You want to do some Not the Bees? I want to do Not the Bees so bad. Oh, no, Not the Bees! Not the Bees! Ah! <laughs> I don't my eyes! Okay, let's go over some of the worst news this week. First up. I just want to say, uh, you know, this, this whole thing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that's been happening where they're aliens and Michael Bay got a hold of it and now they're, they might not even be teenagers. Well, this week, Paramount announced that they're pushing it back, the, the release, possibly indefinitely. They laid off the entire crew. And they're saying that it's going to be pushed back to, like, May of 2014. That's sort of good news? Because uh, I yeah. hope it never happens. It's good, but at the same time, I think it's bad because it is going to happen. <sighs> you know what I mean? Like, it's clearly this movie is having serious problems, but they're going to make it. And it's going to be terrible. <laughs> they're going to force it. They are. This movie and, will and, happen. According to The Hollywood Reporter, it's script issues. So that's even worse. (laughs) Really? On a Michael Bay movie? Script issues? (laughs) Michael Bay? Come on. It doesn't even need a script. Are you kidding me? Just add explosions. Yep, there you go. Uh, You got anything? Tonka trucks. Tonka movie. Tonka trucks. What the the hell (laughs) is that? (laughs) 
what so what happened what happened here why all of a sudden do we have to make a movie out of every single toy that's ever been made because like, they want to destroy and they want to rape our childhood <laughs> what, like is there going to be like play school's my first piano movie <laughs> that'd be <I> awesome <laughs> what is going on Okay, so the Tonka movie is being produced by Happy Madison Films, which perfect so far is a red perfect. flag. And well, hold on, it's the scriptwriter. Yeah, Fred Wolf. Yeah, the scriptwriter. He he's the guy that did Dirty Work. Um, Joe Dirt, Dickie Roberts from a Child Star, Without a Paddle, Strange Wilderness, Grown Ups, and Grown Ups Two. Yeah. So. It's gonna be amazing. So, but isn't isn't gonna, Adam Sandler doing? Because Sony's also developing the Candyland movie, which isn't Sandler attached to that one too. Yep. What what happened here? Did Sandler have to like buy in to do all these movies just to get his others other movies made? I think I have no idea, honestly. Because when you look at the Happy Madison movies, it's like there's no rhyme or reason to them. They're all garbage yeah maybe he maybe he's like losing some money with these that's that's the only thing i can think of is that he had to sign on to these to get some you know get some capital to make his movies that he actually wants to make what i'm wondering is if Candyland is going to be happy madison or if it's just going to have (sighs) adam sandler i don't know involved i don't i mean i i would guess usually where one goes the other goes too but with but, Tonka, it's going to be an animated family film. I would imagine. I mean, it sounds like Cars. Yeah, but there's, there's there's no there's no backstory to Tonka. They're just trucks. <laughs> there's no there's backstory just, to Battleship either. But they did yeah, yeah, that's that. true. Well, they're also make they're Sony's developing a Risk movie, Risk, yeah, no, which no, is okay. a boring board game. But Risk, though, they could do more with that. You could. You just well, make a war movie. You don't, yeah, exactly. Just make a war movie. Do you really have to buy the rights to Risk? Well, that's that's a, what a lot of people were saying about Battleship. Was why put the name Battleship on there? Exactly. Like, just make a movie with battleships and not call it Battleship. Just uh, throwing money away. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's all about Hasbro. Because I think that they were probably the original people that that started the whole thing. So, like, Hasbro was like, hey, we want to make a Battleship movie. And Sony should have said, no, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Get out of my office. (laughs) That's like me going to Sony and be like, I want to make a movie about my life. Oh, Mousetrap the movie? Oh, there's so many that we can have. It's it's going to be great. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I know they've been toying around uh, with questions? a Monopoly movie, too. Yeah. But, yeah that's true. There was a big director attached to that. I can't remember who. It was like Oliver Stone or somebody. <laughs> uh, I hope so. Yeah. I hope it's Monopoly the movie by Martin Scorsese in 3D. Ooh, there we go. With Leonardo DiCaprio playing the Monopoly man. Leonardo DiCaprio plays the the uh, the boot (laughs) or the top hat. Uh, The thimble. 
Played by Toby McGuire. The Thimble. Oh, you got any other not the bees? No, I was just stuck on Tonka. I couldn't get my eyes off of Tonka. I just, I don't understand this. I know, it, who in the right mind is like, this is a good idea. We're going to make money off this. Trust me. This is going to make millions. No, it's not. You're going to lose a shit ton of money. <laughs> and you're going to blame it on us. Hmm. Well, the movie, quick- the movie, the movie business is fledgling because people are stealing movies. Oh, no, it's yeah, because right. they keep making shit. Um, one other quick one I want to add. This is in, I have classified this as a rumor, but according to Bloody Disgusting, they they think that there's going to be a Twilight remake Ooh, coming I, out. Okay, I did want to talk about this because I found on Deadline.com that Lionsgate saying there is no plans for a reboot. Right. That's what that's what Lionsgate and and in the Bloody Disgusting article they say that Lionsgate is saying that left and right so that they don't start, you know having the hype going because they're not sure at this point if it's going to be a remake a reboot a sequel they're not sure what but if you think about it it makes sense because Lionsgate just bought some summit entertainment who did the other they did all the twilight movies yeah so they just bought summit why would they buy summit that has this multi multi multi-million dollar franchise if they're just Mm -hmm. if it's going to be over yeah and I guess, I don't know, maybe Bloody Disgusting has some insiders that they say that they're working on some ideas. So. Yeah, I, I think they will. I think because that that would, just, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you're Lionsgate, you buy Summit. Like you said, you're going to millions. Well, here's, here's why the Why wouldn't thing. you give it a shot? Come I out like with at least Lionsgate. one? I, I think that Lionsgate is... Uh, I think they're one of my favorite companies they come out with a lot of great stuff now i will mention that they do have all the tyler perry movies come out through lionsgate but it's like we said all the great ones they're smart though they have hunger games too at this point it's just a rumor but i would not be surprised if in a few months or maybe after the um the next one comes out i think the next one comes out in what november or something whenever the last one comes out don't be surprised if you start hearing about a sequel or a remake. And I have to say that in my reality, Twilight doesn't exist, so I really don't care. No, I don't either. Like when they I, come out, I don't I know ignore, anything I about them. Everything about them. No sweat off my back. Whatever. Let's talk about some Amazon <laughs> deals, huh? Let's do it. To get these incredible deals, just go to our site at filmpulse.net and either click on the Amazon banner, shop as you would normally, or click on the store link, check out some of our favorites and what we've been talking about on the show. First up, we have the Alien Anthology Blu-ray. Ooh. $38.99. It's on sale from $79.98. So, as I said at the top of the show, definitely check that out. It's awesome. Uh, then we have Office Space on Blu-ray, 8 bucks. Eight. eight bucks. You said eight, $8. $8. Wow. That was always a relatively inexpensive DVD, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, then we have Shawshank Redemption, seven ninety nine on Blu-ray. And fuck that. You can just watch it on TNT <laughs> all the time. You beat me to it. I was just going to say, seven ninety nine is a good deal on Blu-ray, but you can just turn on any random channel on t- cable and it'll be on. So. Yeah. I think TNT... I think they did an offshoot that's called the Shawshank Channel, where they yeah. just play it 
<laughs> Still the number one movie of all time on IMDb. There you go. I don't agree with that, but whatever. No. Do you have any other normal, regular, exciting news to give us? I do have good news. Very good news. And this, the Criterion Collection announced their September titles. And guess what is coming to a Criterion Blu-ray? What? The Game by David Fincher. Really? Yes. And now, the I cover that, looks amazing. I always thought that that was one of Fincher's like most underrated movies. Same here. That movie is amazing. It was so awesome. Yes. And it is coming to Criterion on Blu-ray. You said in September? Yes. No, we'll talk about it then when that comes out for sure. We'll we'll definitely be plugging that. Um, I have a couple things. IDW Comic Books, they're an independent publisher. They're adapting The Suicide Forest. Mm-hmm. This was a a really, really good miniseries that IDW came out last year, I think. I read all of them. It was funny, though, because I started reading them. I read the first issue, and I stopped. I got... Well, I was reading them as they were coming out. So I, I got the first issue, I read it, and I was like, man, this is so good. But then when the second one came out, I only read like half of it because it was so depressing. <laughs> like, I didn't, I just didn't want to finish it. But basically... Couldn't handle it. It's going to be a Japanese film. So it's uh, directed by the, the same guy who did The Ring, or Ringu, the original Ring. Mm, so it's going to be awesome. I think it is going to be awesome. And it's also produced by um, two of the guys, I think, that were also involved with the original ring. Uh, the the story, if you haven't heard this, it's an actual place. I think it's near the base of Mount Fuji. And mm-hmm. it's the world's most popular place to commit suicide. They have literally hundreds of people commit suicide there every year. And it's just this amazing, beautiful, lush green forest that people go and kill themselves in. Yeah, it's, a, it's essentially called like the Sea of Trees, which, yeah, like you said, is at the, ba- at the base of Mount Fuji. And because of the, there being so many trees, it, it blocks out the wind. And for some reason, there's not that much wildlife there. So it's extremely quiet, like eerily so. It's just really quiet. Yeah, it's it's a very fascinating place. And on the site, if you go to the site, I think it's still on the homepage, the article that we wrote about it. We actually posted a 20-minute documentary about the actual place. Mm. And uh, that is really interesting. Vice put out the documentary, and they take... They follow this geologist, and he goes through, and they find some crazy stuff, and it's just fascinating. But the movie sound, the the comic book, after I finished it, I thought it was it was good. The artwork was great, uh, but I think it was Gabriel Hernandez that did the artwork, and uh. the the story was okay. It, it was kind of your typical Japanese ghost story. Okay. It wasn't anything crazy, but I think that it'll translate well into a movie. And I will mention this. There's already a movie about 
the suicide forest. Somebody on Reddit pointed that out. One of our um, readers pointed out to me that there is actually another movie. I think it's called Forest of the Living Dead or The Forest, according to IMDb. And if you read the comic book, if you read the synopsis on the IMDb page, it's almost the exact same. And this came out after the comic book, I believe. So, or maybe right around the same time. So, I, I don't know which who copied off of who, but it looks like it's a pretty bad like straight to DVD horror flick. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it looks bad. But if you read the synopsis, it's like the exact same. It's ridiculous. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to mention real quick was that uh, Martin Scorsese's bringing the film Snab a Cash to the United States, which is called Easy Money in the States. This is starring Joel Kinnaman. This movie was awesome. It's Swedish. And the sequel is actually coming out in, in Sweden this August. And I even think that they might be remaking it. I think I heard that. I'm sure they are. I th- yeah, I think I heard that they're remaking it too. So uh, you can get it on import DVD somewhere, I'm sure. That's how I got it. And you can check it out. It's it's really cool. It's like a crime thriller, but Joel Kinnaman's awesome in it. So that's going to be hitting theaters in the U.S., of course, select cities in July. So mm-hmm. let's move on and do our 10 out of 10s and 1 out of 10s. All right. So I'll start things off. I'll just I'll hit you up with it. My cool. 10 out of 10 is from 1996. It's a little film called Train Spotting. Ooh. This is directed by Danny Boyle, based on the novel by uh, Irving Welsh. That I, when I first saw this movie, I was blown away. This is one of the movies that made me realize that I love film. This is something that it's one of those movies where after you see it, you feel like you're changed because of it. And it's mm. a movie that I can watch over and over again. It's funny. It's sad. It's disturbing. It's just a fantastic film. Yeah, I saw this film. The first time I saw it was when I was younger. Me and my dad went to Hollywood Video. And we were like, yeah, this movie looks good. So watching that movie with my dad was weird. I can imagine. I don't think we finished it. I think my dad, like, halfway through was like, yeah, let's do something else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I remember several of my family members were just going on and on and on about it. Because I think that this is, is this this right around the same time as, as when, like, Pulp Fiction was coming out? And it was just a really big time for movies and... I was just like, oh, I have to see this. I just have to see it. So I don't remember if it was one of those situations where, like, my parents rented it and then I, like, snuck out of bed and watched it. Maybe. I don't know. But I just remember it being amazing. And I, I read the book afterwards. And it's just a great movie. It's a movie that I can watch over and over again. Now, not, like, every day or anything. It's definitely no. not. <laughs> no. Not like that. <laughs> but... I still think that it's Danny Boyle's best work. Yeah, I would definitely say that. I mean, Danny Boyle, I, I like almost all of his movies, but I still think that Trainspotting's the best. Yeah, I Danny Boyle, to me, has created what I call Danny Boyle syndrome, 
where you see a movie and you think it's amazing and then you watch it like a year or two later and you're just like uh that was okay because that's how i feel his most recent movies have been uh especially slumdog millionaire yeah slumdog i will agree with that 127 hours i wasn't blown away no yeah so even from the beginning but i you know it seems like people really jump on him like yes this is amazing so I remember, you know, 127 hours came out. That's all people were talking about. Two other quick Danny Boyle factoids. Uh, he's directing the opening ceremony to the Olympics. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Yeah. And two, did you see anything about the the um, Frankenstein production that he's doing? No, I did not. Yeah. So he. Okay. So he's directing a a broadway it's i don't think it's it's not in broad on broadway i think it's over in the uk somewhere but it's a theater production of frankenstein with benedict cumberbatch and um what's his name johnny lee miller oh oh he's making a comeback okay so one of them is the monster and one of them is the um the doctor and then the, the next show, they reverse it. They, they do a role reversal. Ah, so it's okay. going to be two shows. One is the monster one show. One is the monster the next show. Like the other person. Gotcha. And it looks really cool. Like I saw a trailer for it. It looks awesome. Huh. It's just like, a, I think maybe a one or two night event. Yeah, apparently this is part of a, a TV program called National Theater Live. Because the British appreciate theater, unlike America. Right. Well, I have issues with theater, so... Yeah, I do too, but there's a couple of things that I wish that you could see. Because you can only see them, really, if you live in New York or L.A. Mostly just New York. True story. So, Transpotting, 10 out of 10. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's amazing. What's your 10 out of 10? My 10 out of 10... And I know you will appreciate this. It's George Washington. <laughs> by none other than David Gordon Green. Who this... unfortunately went on to make films that don't even come close to George Washington. Agreed. Yeah. I don't I, I really don't know what happened. I'm so oh, confused. I think what happened to David Gordon Green is he just kind of fell into the the uh Seth Rogan camp and um started working with like jody hill and all them and making those stoner comedies making them stoner comedies making some pineapple express it was so funny because when george washington came out and it came out in 2000 and i remember we saw it i think probably in 2000 yeah and we both loved it like absolutely loved it and then you didn't hear anything from mm-hmm. David Gordon Green for years and years and years. He had a couple other movies, but I think Pineapple yeah, Express yeah. was the big one. I mean, like, All the Real Girls, which was the movie after George Washington, which was three years later. And that was pretty small. I didn't really get much. It wasn't talked about, really. Now, I did see Snow Angels before I saw Pineapple Express. Now, Snow Angels was a pretty good movie. Really good performance by uh, Sam Rockwell. But I remember Pineapple Express. I kept seeing trailers for this movie. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it looks somewhat funny. And then my wife's like, do you know who directed Pineapple Express? 
I'm like, oh, who did it? David Gordon Green. And I just, I was like, what? Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Well, he's doing, the, the thing that I'm kind of excited about is that he's doing the Suspiria remake. Yes. And I'm I'm very excited for that because Suspiria is definitely one of my favorite horror movies. I love Suspiria. So I think that him doing that is going to be exactly what needs to happen for him to get out of that whole stoner comedy funk. And, you know, I, I thought Pineapple Express was okay. I didn't think it was great. Uh, Your Highness, I was not into that. The Sitter, I thought was horrible. And Eastbound and Down, I thought was good. He didn't direct all of those. I think he just did some of them, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Senator I like Jordan Pineapple did Express. Some of them. I thoroughly enjoyed Pineapple Express. The other two that you mentioned do not look good at all. No, they're not. I mean, Your Highness has a few funny moments. It will make you laugh, but a lot of it's just kind of lowbrow, not very funny stuff. And The Which, Sitter was not very funny at all. Yeah, and it's just a far cry from what George Washington was. Yeah. If, if you guys haven't seen George Washington, it's completely different than what you would ever expect. Yeah, it's a very artistic film. It's a, it's I guess it would be a, a slow film. There's a lot of really like ambient music and slow motion shots, and I just the way that it was filmed, just visually, it was just incredible to me. Yeah, but plus they're all non actors, right? They were. I all mean, except for uh, Paul Schneider, who went on to be in the first season of Parks and Rec. But would but, I think he's would, in the new what is it baby is he in baby makers yes yeah no yeah the Bro- um sort of uh, broken lizards movie yeah should have well, stuck on Parks and was he an act was he an actor for George Washington oh he was in two short films before George Washington yeah so. I think he was yeah he was in both of uh, David Gordon Green's short films right, so, so. I, you know they're like childhood friends or either friends and. Maybe they College. went to school together or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would definitely agree with George Washington being a 10 out of 10. And here's a little foreshadowing. We may be seeing this movie coming back in the very near future. Yes, and I can't wait. So, cannot that. wait. All right, time for my 1 out of 10. You ready for it? Yes. Now, I will, no- I will just give this as a side note. Uh, this isn't a movie, and from now on, I would say... My one out of tens aren't movies that, if I were reviewing them in a critical sense, um, maybe I wouldn't necessarily give it a one out of ten. But these are personal preferences. Yes. So, my one out of ten is a film from 2009 called Trash Humpers. <laughs> this is di- written and directed by Harmony Corinne. Uh. It is... I don't even... I could... You can barely even call it a movie you can barely even call it a movie like how is it even a feature film it's about two old men but they're they're not really old men they're just normal people in old man masks that go around and be weird and hump trash cans and fight and they don't talk and there's there's very little dialogue that i can remember in the movie at all but it's it's horrible (laughs) Have you seen it? Uh, I have not seen it. 
Oh, God. No. One thing that I did like about it, and I did struggle with this, because the VHS aspect of it, like, there's, like, track, like, they'll show scenes where it's, like, tracking, almost like a Tim and Eric type thing. Yeah. And it looked like it was made with a VHS camcorder. I like that. I like the, like, in the, um, was the, was the music video that Harmony Corinne just did, Flaming Lips? Um, no, or, Black Keys. Black Keys. The gold on the ceiling. Keys. So, it's, Trash Humpers is exactly like that Black Keys video, only it's an hour and a half of that, where they have, like, the, um, remember the camcorders that you could, like, put the text in that would say, like, happy birthday, and they would come yeah. up? It's, there's a, there's a bit of that in the movie, but it's so terrible that it's completely unwatchable. <laughs> like, I don't, I'd like to meet somebody that was like, oh, man you're just misunderstanding that movie and what it was trying to say or something. It's like the movie is garbage. It's terrible. And I'll tell you this, I was debating on whether I wanted to do trash humpers or Julian donkey boy as my, oh. as my pick. See, which is funny because I think Julian donkey boy is his best movie. Well, I think kids is his best movie. Well, he didn't, he didn't direct kids. Did he? I thought he just wrote it. I thought that was a Larry Clark directed movie. Did he? Did he? Um, I mean, be like code. I guess yeah, well, Larry Clark directed Kids, yeah, but I guess Harmony Corinne did write it. Uh, I liked Gummo better than I liked Julian Donkey Boy. Yeah, I didn't like Gummo that much. But what it, I do have to? What do you think about his newest movie, Spring Breakers, with James Franco, Vanessa Hudgens? And Selena Gomez. I have no idea. I mean, I haven't seen anything about it. I'm interested. Very interested. Yes. Here's the thing about Harmony Corinne. I don't like any of his movies, but I'll keep watching them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, he's he's essentially a train wreck. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't love his movies either, but as soon as I'm here, like, oh, Harmony Corinne's new movie. I'm like, yep, I'm in. Yeah. I want to see um, it. I don't yeah. know why. He's just uh, got. He's just so weird and eccentric that I. F- anytime there's a new movie that he has out, I just feel the need that like, oh, he has a new one. Sign me up. Looks like he directed uh, David Blaine special. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> David Blaine uh, above the below. That's fantastic. I mean, Gummo. Yeah, I would. I would put Gummo above Julian Donkey Boy just because. I couldn't stand anything about Julian Donkey Boy, and I don't even know if I finished it. I think I turned it off. Well, to me, Julian Donkey Boy, I thought was just Ewan Bremer, which was in your 10 out of 10 train spotting. Right, right. I thought that that was just an amazing performance by him. It was okay. I mean, it wasn't King Julian. King Julian from that. I know, but I mean, to play that character and hell, it wasn't until like end of the movie that I realized who he was. Yeah, I mean, that, but still i mean yeah there was a good performance and uh plus herzog makes him (laughs) wrestle a trash can that's right yeah yep and and, you know chloe savini's in it and she's fine but i think you just like julian donkey boy because herzog's in it yeah probably (laughs) well that and bremer's performance well and ultimately that's why i picked trash humpers because i respect julian donkey boy for what it was going for the you know, the Dogma 95 style. 
I always thought that that was cool. And the fact that he was attempting that gets bonus points for me. So Hmm. trash humpers, avoid it. Or maybe see it just to see how ridiculous it is. And and like he said earlier, if you actually think that maybe Adam just missed something, let us know. Right. Because I'm interested to see someone, too, that's like trash humpers, fine American cinema. Feedback at filmpulse.net. Let us know what you thought of Trash Humpers. What's yes. your ten? What's your one out of ten? See, my one out of ten is like you said earlier. This isn't something that necessarily I would give if I was reviewing it. I wouldn't give it a one out of ten. But just personally, I hated this movie so much. Into the Wild. You know, I never even saw this. Don't. That's the Emil Hirsch, do, right? Yeah, Emil Hirsch. Sean Penn directed just awful. And I, number one, I don't like, I don't, it's sort of told in the the whole nonlinear narrative where they cut back and forth from his, his time in Alaska to all the years leading up to him leaving for Alaska, which I don't like. But I think the number one thing that I don't like is I don't like this whole, this Christopher McCandless character. He just, he pisses me off, and I don't know why he's famous and why people care about him, which seems sort of cold of me to say. Was but he famous? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, they wrote books about him. They, I mean, they adapted a movie didn't, based didn't on a book. Didn't he just, by like, go across the country or whatever? Didn't no, he just travel? He, no, he was a kid that hiked into the Alaskan wilderness with, like, no food or equipment whatsoever, and just decided, oh, I'm going to live off of the land and be by myself. And then he died in, of starvation like four months later. When there was there was like a camp like two miles away from him that had plenty of food. Well, But it, it I mean, it, it was published in a magazine and then it was turned into a book. And then it was adapted into a film. And then there was a documentary made about him. There's a huge article in The New Yorker about him. Just It's just some kid. Which, like, number one, he was a rich kid. He was a trust fund kid that yeah. was like, oh, screw this, I'm going into the Alaskan wilderness, and then died of starvation four months later. And we're like, oh, this is such a compelling story. Um, no, it's not. Well, I-, I had no plans on seeing it in the first place. Yeah, so. don't. It's don't. It's just, it's, for me, as you can tell by the way I'm saying this, is it pissed me off. I didn't realize Zach Galifianakis was in this. He is in it a very small amount, and he still is pretty funny. But that's where, I guess, their whole friendship started. Him and Sean Penn. Hmm. Okay. But I don't know. It seems sort of weird to me that Sean Penn was like, I want Zach Galifianakis for this role. Maybe auditioned. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. That was was before he was, like, super famous. Yeah. It was yeah, it was well before that, and I mean even um, Vince Vaughn is in it too. Yeah, I saw him listed here. I do. I think I remember seeing Vince Vaughn in the trailer. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Into the wild. Avoid that shit. <laughs> yeah. Avoid that whole everything about that story ever. These people shouldn't be famous. You want to talk about some predictions? Let's. All right. Let's talk about our movie predictions from last week. Rock of Ages, I said 62, you said 20, actual 43. Ooh. I actually pulled ahead on that when I was closer. 
That's my boy. I said 25. You said 18. Actual 24. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with you, America? Well, 24. It's still not it's good. Way too, it's way too high. If you looked at the box office numbers, both Rock of Ages and yeah. That's My Boy got crushed by Madagascar yeah. and Prometheus this week. So Yeah, I was really happy failure. about that. That's a failure really on both happy. of them. And we have Extraterrestrial. I said 75. You said 73. Actual 65. So that's a win for Ooh, you. And then we have Your Sister's Sister. I said 65. You said 70. Actual 87. And these are actually Rotten Tomato scores. I neglected to mention that a second ago. Wow, 87. I'm yeah, check that one out. I'm telling you, man, those Duplass brothers. Golden. Anything that they're Golden. involved in. Got the Midas Touch. Yeah. Uh, just a score update. We're both at 15. It's a dead heat. 15 to 15. We've been tied. Like, <laughs> there'll be one week where you pull ahead, one week where I pull ahead. It's crazy. This what week, we got next week, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Mm. What do you say? 78. I'm going to say 75. 75? Yeah. Brave. You don't agrees. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll edit that out. <laughs> Brave. Uh, this this Brave actually got... Uh, it has a score now of like 64 or 65. I've, I've actually really? read a few early reviews, and they're saying that it's good but not great. Uh, so I'm going to say 70. Ooh. I'm going to go with like a 64. Seeking a Friend for the End of the World with Steve Carell. Say 77. I say 65. Wait, who did did anybody big direct that? I don't think so. Okay. Then we have To Rome with Love, the new Woody Allen film. This this uh, actually got some early reviews too cuz um both Brave and To Rome with Love I think were at the LA Film Festival that's happening right now. And To Rome with Love's not getting great reviews either. So Mm-mm. I'm going to say 60 on that one. I'm going to go with like a 63. Okay, there you have it. I think that wraps it up for another show. For all the latest film news and reviews, just hit us up at filmpulse.net. And we want to hear your feedback. Please send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net or call our voicemail line at 850-391-6075. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very, very much. For FilmPulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Tuesday for DVD and Blu-ray releases.